nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name is Devin. I'm joined here today by Charles Peacock of the False Nine and uh, our old friend Brad Tillery. We're going to discuss the agonizing uh, Derby loss... Uh, Austin Zero, Houston Dynamo Two, gentlemen, how are we feeling this morning? Yeah, that's all I got, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Charles, you got a noise for us? Oh. All right. Just painful. Feels like that Monty Python scene when they're talking about the castle. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's about right, actually. So, all right. Well, we're starting off in a good mood. Um. So, I feel like we had uh, kind of a nice bounce back from the setback from Violet last week uh, when we went to RSL, kind of had a very workmanlike game, came out of there with a 2-1 win, and this was the complete fucking opposite of that. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it differently. You want to give me kind of an, an early reaction? Charles, go ahead and start. It was too much like the games we've watched so far this season <laughs> and in not in a positive way. Yeah. I find this team very frustrating to watch with the current formation and tactics and how they're playing. Um, it to, to give an overarching arching thought about how I'm feeling is why did we try to fix something that wasn't broken? I believe one of your esteemed hosts brought that up a couple weeks ago, but um... <laughs> We'll leave that there. Uh, Brad, how about you? I just see an extreme lack of ideas from a team that last year was creative as hell. And the core of this team is the same, you know. Um, And we are dogmatic, seemingly, in the first few games this year of this cross to the back post and try to knock one down for oncoming runners offense. The only two times we hit from distance, obviously were last week, but that's, that's largely because RSL backed off in their defense um, and let us have shooting room. Houston did none of that last night. And once anybody decides to press us up on a ball, we don't have a clue of what to do apparently. And that's, it's beyond frustrating to watch this. Yeah, and I mean, there's multiple ways we can attack this. So, I mean, let's start with the the starting lineup. A lot of people, hey, get Zardes out of there. Let's start Maxi Arudi. Uh, I didn't think that was going to be the panacea. Some people did. Um, we got Johan Valencia in there as well. And other than that, pretty much kind of our normal lineup. Charles, any thoughts uh, when you saw the team sheet? Uh, I I think I was a little bit worried because I I just kind of don't rate Valencia. And even though he's only, I think he's only barely over like 500 minutes for the team so far, he just doesn't seem to bring any, going back to Brad's point, any creativity or any extra ideas out of midfield. And, you know, we've only gotten gotten to see um, Jafal once, but he at least was doing things. And as a, like somebody who played a lot for DC and looked really good, I don't quite understand what Josh or why Josh is not, featuring him more as an obvious own replacement. Yeah, that's that's number one for me was 
if you're going if Owen's not in the game, Jafal is the replacement, not Valencia. Valencia is a replacement for Danny at the six, right? He's he's a guy that you're wanting there to shut down attacks and and that's what he's good for. Um nobody wants to pass on the ball because he's got a terrible first touch and just seemingly does not know where he wants to go with the ball once it's on his feet. But he can sniff out attacks. I'll give him that. Um, but yeah, Jafal would have been the right replacement for Wolf. And I pray to God Papa Wolf understands this by next week because Owen's not going to be here on international duty. Um, but Jafal is, he's got MLS experience. He started over, I think he started over 20 games last year for DC. Played really well, played really well in the game against Violette. Like there's no reason that guy shouldn't be seeing the field or even the bench. He wasn't even available off the bench last night. Um, and the other one, Maxi. I understand why he started. Jossie had just started two straight games, one of them at elevation. Fine, I get it. But for everyone clamoring that Maxi Yerudi should be your starting striker, understand that in two games as him as a starter this year, we haven't scored, and Maxi has all of two goals in his last 14 starts, and both of those were in the same match against LAFC last year. He, so we only start him against LAFC. Got yes, it. basically. But point being is that I love Maxi as a super sub. I love him as a person. I like him as a person on this team and the energy he brings. But the man has not earned a starting spot. And if you sit here and say, well, what has Zardis done so far? Go back and look at Owen Wolf's goal last week. It's Zardis making a run into the box that pulls two defenders and allows Owen to shoot right where those defenders were. And Zardis has done that on a couple of goals this year. Uh, not to mention he had one arguably taken away from him at Salt Lake because Dryusi stepped in the way when he should have let the ball come through because the pass was absolutely intended for Zardis there from Gallagher. So I think, I, like I said, I don't mind Yuridi starting last night. There has to be rotation. That's what he's there for is to be kind of the guy to rotate in and out. But he's not offering any link-up play right now or anything different that is helping this offense. And and the other part of that too, is that, you know, a lot of the reason why Uruti is such a good player is all the work that he does when we don't have the ball. And I saw the lineup and I thought that, okay, well, Rudy's up top. We're going to try and we're going to try to press up Houston more. We're going to try and harass them. You know, we're going to do what new England did last week or two weeks ago against them. That worked really effectively. And yeah, like that matches in snow and like that affects things, but Houston showed that they're not very good at playing out of the back. So then why are we not pressing up on them with the Ruti, which is the point of part of the point of having him out there and just kind of, you know, casually sat back and let Houston have possession and play around and gain confidence. No, um, it just didn't, it just didn't make any sense to me. Wildly agree with you. And it doesn't, it's not, I know you said, well, they played that match in the snow uh, two weeks ago up in new England, go back to the Cincinnati match. Yeah. Houston was, Houston was terrible out of the back at Cincinnati in fine weather. Like, there's no reason that we should have been pressing up more last night with you. We just, for whatever reason, didn't do it. Especially early in the game when everybody still has some energy. You know, later in the game, you have a much more cramped schedule coming into this. For us, your legs are going to get tired more. You're going to lose gas more. So early in the game is when we should really be nailing this and try to nick a cheap goal. I think in the first 15 minutes or so, they flashed up the uh, possession percentage, and we had 30, maybe 28. They were in the 70s for sure. It was 70-30. Um, I remember seeing the stat. And somehow we had m- more possession of them by halftime. It was weird. But, I mean, that's when we're supposed to put that stamp on the game and say, hey, here's how this is going to go. 
keep trying to play out of the back if you want to. Um, the other side of that is balls going long. I don't know if we looked super interested in winning a second ball um, or if we ever did or a third ball or a fourth ball. Um, there were multiple times too, where uh, we don't, we do come down with the ball and somebody makes a pass or they come down with the ball and they make a pass and our own guys essentially mark themselves out of the play uh, defensively and just sort of go, Oh no, no, no. Here's this free lane. Um, you didn't make this super clever touch. Um, you know, that's making Messi or somebody like that completely jealous. You just sort of had an average touch and our guys pushed out and literally just gave you a lane. And I don't, I don't, that has to be tactical. I don't know where that comes from, but why you would do it or if they're messing something up or what. Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't understand most of what we were trying to do last night. I I saw what Houston was trying to do, which is basically just make us play out wide. Like they were absolutely fine with letting us cross the ball in all night. And we had that spell in the first half for eh, 10, 15 minutes where we looked pretty good for about, I think, the 20th minute to the 35th minute. There was there was a spell where we were really dominating the game. It was the part, uh, I think that was the portion of the game where Maxi headed one off the bar. Yeah. Um, but outside of that 15 minutes, I can't think of any other time in the game where I thought we looked dangerous. And the first half all in was pretty sloppy on both sides. It was a little tough to watch. Um, but I, I I don't know if it was legs in the second half or just the complete lack of ideas getting to the team, but something is off with this club right now. And I know I've already seen people out there. Well, we play Colorado next week and Colorado's terrible. Y'all, we're going to be missing Leo Vaisenen and Owen Wolf next week. And the way this team's playing right now, that is not a layup. I don't care that it's in Q2. That's not a layup. Yeah, the the big thing that I noticed, especially in the second half, was there were a lot of moments where Danny had the ball with some space and some time, and there was nothing between him and the front attack line to try to link play or to try to get some kind of, like, movement or a passing combination going and it i don't know if that was a tactical thing of trying to just like get a line up front to try to hit a cross to which you know i guess is just our like plan b now but also like it 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 is such a departure from how austin played last year and even in year one of you know if danny has the ball he has both eights you know the in front of him on, on either angle and he still has the options out wide and last night there just were no passing options and we just seemed to not we seem to despite how wolf is so dogmatic about his style and his style of play and defends it and talks about how you know even when they're down like you know that's when you really have to stick, stick with your core principles and go back to those things and it's not about throwing out the plan this year he just throws out the plan like the plan just goes at like 60 minutes and it's like, okay, everybody up front, we're just going to hit crosses in. And that's, we're just going to try and like moise this to try to like get a goal. And it, it doesn't work for us because we don't have those options in the box to finish. Yeah. And y- you mentioned Danny not having options last night. I think that goes back to the Valencia start Yeah, because there, there was a passing chart, you know, a link up chart out there after the game last night. And if you really look at it, Valencia and Danny are almost standing on top of each other. Mm-hmm. There, there's zero spacing between the two of them. Whereas Wolf gives Danny an outlet to play along with. And I think Jafal would have as well. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, I would also say, man, Diego was a ghost last night. 
Yep. I, I know he was mad about getting pulled the 55th minute, but I'm sorry, man. You were nowhere to be found during that match. Yeah, and I was curious, too, watching the game live, you kind of see it and you go, oh, well, he just got a yellow card. I didn't think it was a yellow card, but, you know, we'll get into that later. Um, and he's coming off, and then I was like, you know what? This might just be because he's having a bad night, not because he's on a yellow card, or obviously it's probably both. You know, he's having a bad night, and we don't need him to do something stupid and really compound any mistakes. But, um, yeah, he looks – I don't think it's just this game either. He's looked a little oh. out of it lately. He well, this been... goes. this go kind of goes back to, like – what, what we were talking about of throwing out everything that worked last year. Last year, Diego and Gallagher on the left were a really great combination. And now we've abandoned that to put Gallagher on the right. But it also means that Diego, a lot of times, is kind of left over there by himself because of just how like how the the um, the formation is rotating, where he's almost playing more as a wing back than as a uh, as a as a like full on attacking winger. And it's mm-hmm. really affected our ability to get both get forward down the left side. And also it completely restricts his ability to link up with Driussi or a striker or get balls into the box, or even just like be able to play a pass up to the striker in like any kind of reasonable lane. And it, and it, that's not a role he's suited for. Like that's a waste of him as a player. Yeah. It seems like we want him to tuck in a little more at times. Um, but I, yeah, his he was able to cut in once or twice last night off that left side, which I know he loves to do. But beyond that, it, it, this whole season, he's just I don't I don't know if it's the way we're trying to play because we're pushing the we we pushing the backs up a little more uh, on the wings than we have been, um, and tucking Diego inside. Maybe that's throwing him off. I'm not quite sure. But Wolf said something in the post game last night that I thought was interesting. He said. Something to the effect of Diego is still trying to get fit. Mm, I could see that actually. Now that well, you mention it, my question is: If Diego's trying to get fit, what in the hell was he doing in the off season? I mean, it could just be like he picked up an injury a week before the season started, and it's not serious, but he's not a hundred percent or something like that. Which, if that's the case, fine, right? But I didn't read it that way. And, and Wolf flat out said that he he named Diego, and then he actually named. Uh, Maxi, Rigoni, and basically all of our attackers um, and saying the effort and the finishing quality has got to get better. He's like, we're getting in the right spaces, but we're just, it's not there right now. And he kind of called everybody out last night, but he started with Diego uh, before going to everybody else's names. I think he was doing that to cover himself a little bit, quite honestly, but you could tell in his quote, he is frustrated with Fagundes. I, teams play like this and everybody's frustrated with everyone i don't think that's um terribly terribly news it is a little interesting he's actually uh letting it out in the public because josh is normally a little more uh reserved in that charles do you have any thoughts on diego i'm a little worried that austin losing some of the veteran leadership that they lost last year is causing some of these issues to not be able to be solved behind closed doors and instead, it is leaking out in the media for those reasons. And Josh is feeling the heat a little bit. Um, I want to see Diego forward. I want to see him with the ball at his feet and able to combine. And that is just not how he's being utilized. And if that's a fitness issue, then you know what? he That might get solved just by the nature of us not having to play so many matches in a row. But his, his, la- his, his lack of involvement directly ties to our lack of creativity yeah, yeah i think that's fair I, I think that's absolutely fair 
him and I mean, it's not quite as overstated, but it's not like we're getting Drew see the ball in space or um, utilizing him to his full potential either. Usually if you see him getting something, it's on a break. It's not, you know, um, us kind of working the ball and trying to get him the ball in space as part of our set offense. It's, hey, he just turned a guy over and now he's got the ball. Like, great, let's all run. There was a um, moment last night in the second half where Gallagher had the ball on the right and it was surrounded by four Houston defenders. And if you looked at, and it wasn't even really on a break or anything, he just kind of pushed forward because nobody was in front of him. And if you stopped the, the, the match at that moment, you would see nobody coming toward the ball, nobody anywhere near him. Driussi was on the complete opposite wing and Diego is on the other side as well. And you're just kind of like, you just sit there and you're just like, this is a disjointed team that doesn't know where they're supposed to be and doesn't know how to link up with each other. What happened? Because all of the guys I mentioned were here last year and were here two years ago. These shouldn't be problems we're having. Yeah, and I mean, you can make the locker room point about maybe a guy like Felipe, but you know, it's not like he was playing 85 minutes a game. Uh, so it shouldn't be an on-the-field thing. Yeah, I, I mean, we're not missing on to me anything on Felipe being gone. I, I, yeah, he's a bit of a locker room guy, but that one doesn't bother me. I think it's Gabrielson, Ruben mm. Gabrielson being gone. Like that guy was a vocal locker room leader, always pumping everyone up. Always, I mean, you know, he'd look at Cascante and say, "You're the best center back in the league." Trying to make Cascante believe that, right? Um, and get him to play above his above their head, and he offered that bite in the back line and physicality in the back line that I love the way Leo's playing. Leo technically is a is a really good player, um, but I'm not sure that he's going to get around in a little bit of a pushing shoving match if need be, or even start one like Gabrielson would if the team needed it to get fired up. Yeah, he has a little bit of that uh, wind everybody up and knows when and how to do it, not just sort of uh, run around and and be a shithouser for the sake of it. I mean, yeah, I, guess, I, I think that's one of the interesting things about, you know, comparing the two because it's it's such an obvious comparison to make is that while Ruben brought a lot of physicality and definitely had a intimidation factor in terms of just his size and his presence, you know, one of the things that you notice more is how – and I was looking back on the stats in this Ruben Gabrielson only got called for like 14 fouls last season, like a shockingly low number for a center half. And Leo is much more susceptible to that. And it's definitely changing how, you know, tactically we're having to play because we are just giving up more, um, more of those opportunities. I will say though, Leo may be in a situation where he's having to foul a little more covering for ring. Cause yeah. ring's been playing great, but ring's not a center back. And, right. and also just like not having ring in midfield who does so much to help with that too. Like that's yeah. kind of, I think that's one of the big things that Austin loses is, you know, Valencia can provide some of that, but then we lose so much in the attack by having Valencia out there that we don't when ring is, you know, ring rings passing range and his, um, his aggressiveness in passing. Well, sometimes it doesn't work out because it, it gets intercepted, which happened last night. He's at least got his head up and is trying to bang the ball forward. Yeah, what does that lineup look like last night if Cascante is not hurt, right? And you actually have yeah. Ring being able to sub into the game for Wolf, where Ring played the eight last year, knows the system from that position and could play. It, it's just a wildly different look on the team, and you're almost running the exact same lineup we ran most of last year at that point. Everybody knows where to be and how to play the system. 
And what what I find weirdest about that is that I don't think that's Ring's best position. I actually oh, no. think Ring, I think Ring is better suited to where Danny's playing, and I'd actually love to see a lineup where him and Wolf were combined in the midfield. Yeah, I don't disagree. Like I, I think Ring's better at a, as a six. That's his best position on the field. But Danny Danny also kind of has that on lockdown right now. Like, I don't think yeah. he's going anywhere from there. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, and I mean, I think it. You'll see it in games he doesn't play, but Danny's ability to come and pick the ball up and drive us out of um, the defensive half is the only thing from keeping this team being an utter catastrophe at the moment. But I mean, you pressed on, hey, we could have almost ran out the same lineup as last year, but would that be the same thing? Because we're playing a totally different system. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I just I think it's more familiarity with understanding where spot people are going to be and how they play, right? If we were to do that. Um None of that matters right now because Cascante's hurt. And I, I think we're underestimating the the cascading impact of this Cascante injury for this part of the year that we're in right now because we are having to piecemeal some things together, um, which is, you know, by taking Ring out of the midfield, putting him back on the back line, now your options in the midfield are less, even though I'm with you. I still think Jafal should have been in the – in the lineup last night over Valencia. And I would love to see that coming up this coming Saturday. Um, you know, the systems it's weird. The system's different this year, but it's only because the, I think it's mostly because they're trying to tuck a couple of guys, you know, from the wings in and Rigoni and uh, Fagundes try to get those guys more inside while the, uh, the backs push up. But I don't know that it changes immensely enough to where they couldn't play together if ring, was able to play the six or eight. I don't know. Feels like there's uh, more than one problem and we need more than one solution Yeah, to, uh, to get this rolling. So um, I did want to hit on, I don't know if I want to call it a bright spot or just a less bad spot, but um, you guys want to talk about Rigoni and his performance last night. Um, I don't understand the hate the guy's getting. He was arguably our best offensive player last night. Uh, uh, last night, for sure. And he's definitely more and more, I think, game by game, you're seeing him track back more and make some good defensive plays, too. Yeah, I, I he's getting into the right spots. He's finding guys with passes. He's sending in – he's whipping in crosses that if we had some willing runners, we'd probably have a few extra goals this year. Um, he's He's been fine. Yes, his finishing could be a little better. Uh, the last night, I mean, the shot he took, he had to take the extra touch, um, to settle the ball down, close down the angle. That's fine. Like that's going to happen. I'm more concerned with the shots he missed. It's two weeks ago at home, um, that were wide open against Montreal, but he's to me and people are going to think I'm crazy. He might be one of our most consistent offensive players this year so far when it comes to actually creating chances and getting into the right places and knowing where he's supposed to be in the system. But isn't that like a byproduct of the system though, where we're just setting him up to kind of essentially be isolated out there, take a guy and cross it in. I mean, we're not doing that with Diego on the left. We're not letting Driussi run at guys to the middle and possibly create something like that. That's like what the system is supposed to do. So is it him or is it the system? Well, is it that we're not letting Dreyusi do that? Or is it that other teams are keying so much on Dreyusi that we're having to do different stuff? Because I think it's the latter. If, if you're watching what's going on, teams are daring anyone else on this club to beat them right now. They're just not going to let Dreyusi beat them. 
and yeah, we need somebody else to open that up so people have to think about it. And then Drew Yusey goes bang and we go back to the races like we were at the beginning of the last year. Yep. So I think that's that adds to Rigoni's need to, to up his finishing. And I actually disagree with you too <clears throat> on that point. Uh, the one where we kind of have a break and the ball goes through and kind of across the box. He takes a horrible first touch that completely takes him out of any sort of shooting angle. And all he has to do is have a halfway decent first one. And that's, you know, maybe not for him, but most players, that's a pass back into, into the back of the net. Um, and that's something he should be able to do. Uh, I don't think anybody's saying, you know, he's a terrible player or anything, but for a guy who's making some serious DP money, I don't think it's that hard to ask him to play a little better, be a little sharper on that finishing. Um, Charles, you want to be the voice of reason here? I've actually never been asked to do that before. That's great. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think I think my voice of reason take is that in, in some ways, both of you are right. I think Rigoni is playing really well. And I think that a lot of the criticism from him is comes from the salary he makes and the expectations of him uh, of it, and the expectations of him being a goal scorer. He's created a lot of really good chances. I think he does a lot of really good work, especially tracking back that I don't think he gets credit for. Um in a lot of ways, I feel like the changes in system have hindered him because I would like to see him wide more and not having to tuck in where more defenders are because we want to have Gallagher as a winger, even though he wasn't good enough to play as a winger last year. So we moved him to fullback and now he's a winger again. Anyway, um, <laughs> and so I'd rather just like, I'd rather just be like, okay, Diego Rigoni, get out wide. Put your put your heels on this on the on the touch lines, and let's give you room to cook, because when we when that happens, that's when chances get created. When he gets to run at defenders, and when he gets to cross the ball in, and it's not his fault that like other chances aren't being converted, but it's also the easiest criticism and the easiest analysis to be like, oh well, the DP should score more. Yeah, well, I mean, it, some of those are sitters, so it's not like we're just saying pull something out of nowhere like Drewsy would. Um, but I mean, that's a larger conversation than last night. Uh, go gonna, ahead, Brad. I was going to say the DP designation is weird because it puts added pressure on players that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. And I wouldn't even say added pressure, but added a, a larger microscope, right? That because he's taking up a coveted DP spot, if he's not doing X, Y, Z, then what the hell we're wasting the money. Um, I would point to Nashville, you know, signing a DP last year. I forgot exactly who it was. Um, the guy's in Mexico right now because he couldn't hack it in Nashville. Couldn't see the yeah. couldn't, he couldn't see the field. So um, I, it's it's just a weird thing to me. I, I understand why we do that. He, he's supposed to be one of our stars. He's not producing enough. Get it. But he's been one of our better players on offense for an offense that's been extremely disjointed through our first six games this year. Yeah. I think if you count like XG assisted goals, I think he actually has, like if you combine XG and XG assisted, I think he has the highest number on the team because he is so crucial in creating chances and they're just, they're just not getting converted. And sometimes that's just part of soccer and sports is that like, you know, when the goals are going in, everything looks great. You know, it's great. Every you know, everybody's a genius. The coach is smart. All the players are great, and then you don't convert some of those chances, and the coach is a bum, and he's fired, and all the players need to get sent out. Yeah, I mean that's how it works, though. <laughs> yeah, like I mean that's I mean that I think that's like the big change between 
this season and last season. You know, Austin's only one point behind where we were after four matches. The difference is that our goal differential right now is minus one, and our goal differential then was plus eight because we blew out two teams that were bad. And, you know, if if we'd blown out, um, you know, when one of our one or two of our wins before, would we be having these same conversations and these same criticisms? I don't know that we would, because I think we just have more confidence in how the team looked. Um, I, that said, like, it's a long season. We're four games in. I I see a lot of things that I like. I just, I'm just confused as to why the team looks and plays the way it does. Yeah, and, and you made the points point. Uh, but, you know, we win next week, right? We go through March taking nine of a possible 12 in, in league play. At no point do you say that's a bad month because it's not. Um, now, when you add in CCL, obviously it looks gross. But if we're just focusing on MLS, you go to April because we get a week off on April 1st for the break. <laughs> yes, we go to LAFC immediately. I'm just going to go ahead and mark that as probably not going to be a fun day. Just understand that. But we come home against the Whitecaps, go to Galaxy, and then come back home for the Quakes. There's no reason that shouldn't be at least a seven-point month out of those four games. So you're looking at what's averaging roughly potentially 16 points or so between 14 and 16 points through eight matches. In this league, anything over a point and a half a game puts you in the top three to four in your in your conference every single year. Yeah. Like that's the way it works in this league. So we're on a pace wise, we're we're doing fine. It's just a matter of how this team is playing and expectation of this team supposed to be a team that's going to go out there and score two or three a game. And we can barely put a shot on goal last night. I think that's the biggest frustration. Well, it's also obviously Houston's a big rivalry game, but it feels like a huge step back. Yeah. So like city fine, whatever. That was a weird game. We probably win that if not for the weird Jared Stroud, Kip Keller thing. Look, look, City are undefeated as a club. They've never lost an actual match that counts. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's possible they're decent. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> um, but I mean, even so, like, uh, Montreal, not our best game. We didn't play bad. We missed some chances. We created a lot, though. Uh, we get the late goal. We get the win. Tough game uh, in the Dominican Republic against Violet. Do what we need to do. Get out of Real Salt Lake. Tough place to play. And then, you know, obviously we had a disappointment on Tuesday. Um, not getting that third or fourth or fifth goal or anything, but you know, you come out and this kind of happens and it's like, whoa, whoa, we were all kind of saying, okay, maybe it'll click and fire. And then this kind of happens. I did want to go back and touch too about Wolf on this point. Um, we can say Rigoni sending these balls in and nobody's finishing them. Josh has his first choice guy up front. Most of these games, he's the one I wanted to bring in Zardes. A lot of us who have us national team history went, I really think that's a bad idea. So I think even if you have literally somebody who is the exact same player that nobody's ever heard of as Jossie Zardes, who is not Jossie Zardes doing that, maybe people are a little um, less critical of it. He's also on a pretty big contract, but I think the fact that it's, you know, the system looks different. So you assume it's Josh. We have this giant step back and then you have this kind of handpicked guy up front. Obviously last night we had a rookie there um, and he's not banging in goals or anything. And everybody's kind of going, well, Hey, does this guy actually know what the hell he's doing? No, I think that's fair. Um, I hope some of that made sense. Yeah, no, no, it, 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 it does. But I think part of that problem is also that, like, you know, we don't see Driussi playing as advanced as he did last year. And I'd like him to also be an option in the box for, you know, if the ball does trickle back toward the top of the box or if they have a chance to cut it back on the cross. And a lot of times Zardes is just kind of by himself. 
No, yeah. I agree with that. Zardis is, and they they're seemingly taking up a lot of the same space. Mm-hmm. He and Jerusi are wanting to be in in a, similar spots. Zardis is hold up play and his actually his passing out of somewhat in some midfield spots to get us into more advanced positions has been really good this year. Uh, he's gotten us out of a few holes and found some breaks uh, on passes. He has I, he's made some great runs, like I mentioned earlier, to open up goals for us. Um, he's made runs that probably would have been goals had somebody not been out or had, had someone not gotten in the way, uh, taking the ball from him, or if he's literally half a step back, right, and doesn't get offside by his shoulder. So his timing, I think, is it's really close to being there. I just don't know that he and Dryusi have figured out how to play together yet. I think Zardis is getting there with everybody else. It's just he hasn't figured out how to play with his 10. Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. Yeah, and I mean, Brad, you mentioned it, too. The important thing is, like, get into the playoffs because this is a kooky-ass soccer league. So I think some of us have our um, our brains still oriented towards how other leagues work, and it's hard to kind of readjust that. But um, you have this... I would rather be playing well at the end of the year and have everybody play like shit for a couple months and then figure this out later. And then we're on, you know, we're on fire going into the playoffs. That's the name of the game, right? Yeah. And I would point out, just look back at last year, Montreal did not win a single match in league play until April because they were playing CCL and they were terrible, terrible for the first six, seven weeks of the season. Montreal ended up with more points than we did. Y'all they were second in the East behind Philly. And they damn near had a shot to win the East going into the last two weeks of the season. So this league is, it makes no sense. Um, And because of that, you can still finish really high without starting out hot. And just getting into it, especially this year, because of the way that the playoffs are going to be structured with this weird-ass three-game thing for our best of three in the first round, getting in the top four means so much more. Because if you have to go to that game three, it's back at your home stadium. So it's just a matter of understanding where we got to be towards the end of the year. I think, you know, Seattle looks like a team that's probably going to be back in the top four in the West. LAFC, I think, is a lock. The other two spots are up for grabs. And it's just a matter if you can figure out a way to average 1.6 points a game, you're going to be in that top four. Yeah, and I mean, we don't have CCL to clog up our schedule anymore, so maybe yeah. it'll be good, uh, good going forward. Well, and don't forget, too, because of our finish last year, we get an extra round by through U.S. Open Cup. So yep. we might actually catch a team. I, I got to see what the schedule is for U.S. Open Cup. But we actually might catch someone having to play a midweek match U.S. Open Cup where we don't. And mm-hmm. now we get a few extra days where some people this last week, I, I honestly think us playing, what, five games in – 15, 16 days, something like that, that that had to take a toll, especially with as much traveling as we did. Over 3,200 miles of total of travel had to have taken a toll. And I'm not putting that on last night because I thought last night, I'm one of the few people going into last night that was like, if we get a draw, I'm fine. I thought we were going to be tired. I didn't have a great outlook on the game. It was Houston's home opener. They had two weeks to prepare for this match, um, which is a little under the radar thing that I think most people aren't paying attention to as well. Um, but ultimately I think the team is fine. We just got to figure out what the tweaks are to get goals in the back of the net. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody needs to be like calling for Wolf's head or anything at the moment, but you know, we should all be a little concerned with the system, right? It's not like 
you know, we're creating a ton of chances and nothing's falling. It's, it's bigger than that, but you know, we're one week closer to this being like an actual freak out. Let's worry about this problem. And obviously rivalry game that doesn't help. If this happens next week against Colorado, I will freak out. Okay. I will absolutely freak out if it happens at home against Colorado on the road against a hyped up team in front of a larger than normal crowd in Houston that's had two weeks off to get ready for the game where we're playing on a short turnaround. I can take a step back and go, okay, we just didn't really have it last night is what it is. If we look like this again at home against a really, really, really shitty Colorado team that has one draw, three losses, and I think they've scored one goal this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then we have major issues and red flags to start waving before the international break. Um, well, I mean, we're in the international break. The game will be during it. Well, yeah, it's, but we have that week off after. It's weird, man. You know, MLS okay. doesn't really MLS doesn't really pay attention to Emma, to international breaks most of the time. It's it's weird. Yeah, but are we going to come back we have and our sit own, here? Look, we have our <laughs> own calendar. We do not give a shit what FIFA has to say. We will play our matches. <laughs> No, I mean, to get a, give you an idea of how bad Colorado is, Colorado is the wooden spoon team right now. They have a goal oh. differential of minus six at one point. I don't think anybody else besides, well, Portland got smacked by Atlanta yesterday, so there's just minus five. But besides that, like, they are clearly the worst team in the conference. They're the worst team in the league. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, Chicago's bad. Chicago's not this bad. Yeah, I was thinking of Chicago or even Charlotte, maybe. Like, I'm not sure if Charlotte's good or not. But... Charlotte looked decent yesterday. Actually, got a, I think they got a road win last night. Um, I know. I, I'm starting to think that our, that Atlanta's the best team in MLS now. Yeah, Atlanta's on fire. <laughs> as long as Almeida's there. Yeah. Not to digress, but we did. He, uh, yeah, he might not be there past July. This, this podcast <laughs> is nothing but digressions. Don't worry, guys. We're <laughs> almost 40 minutes in. We haven't really talked about the game yet. <laughs> um. Okay, so I have it from both of you that you, if something bad happens, we play terrible again. We're not going to come back here and say, oh, we didn't have Bison in. We didn't have Teen Wolf. It's going to be a full freakout. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, think it, I think it's warranted at that point. Okay. It's, it, it's, when, it's when the Wolf Out banners start again. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not there yet, but I'm considering it and wondering if I need to start finding some stuff in the closet, I guess. Uh, is the stage I'm at. Um, you guys want to get in? I mean, there's not a ton that happened in the game, so I think we can can run through it pretty quick. But, I mean, we kind of touched on him. There's um, like a half chance for Rigoni. Don't really blame him for not doing a ton with it. Hits it straight at uh, Steve Clark, the old old nemesis of ours. Um, we have that, that great play where uh, Gallagher kind of fluffs a shot and Maxi heads it onto the bar. Um, tough luck on that one. I don't know why he hates woodwork so much, but um, you know, find somebody yeah. who loves you as much as Maxi loves hitting the post. Like yeah, exactly. he just what, three or four this year already. I think, I think it's at four. least it's yeah, it's at least four. I, I think that's four games in a row, isn't it? A dubious record, but yeah, I think he's got it. Yeah, um, just tell him to quit calling post. Uh, <laughs> and, and I guess the other big big moment uh we kind of touched on the the Rigoni shot with the wide touch too uh the other big moment and I think we'll probably disagree here uh Vicenen picks up what I don't think is a yellow card ref calls him for a pullback gives him a yellow card uh ball comes in he kind of brushes Clark and goal 
Clark goes careening into the post, and nothing else happens. Uh, your thoughts? It was if a you're foul. Gonna, if you're going to give a yellow, it's for the second one, not the first one. Like, yeah. That was my thought. But I didn't think either one of them were yellow-worthy. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion goalkeepers get too protected. Mm-hmm. Um, because what's Vison supposed to do? Not go after a live ball in the box and try to head one home? It doesn't make sense to me. And he barely touched him, by the way. He kind of just barely brushed by Clark. The only reason that looked bad was because Clark hit the post himself. Yeah. Because he was trying to dramatize it and cause basically cause it would have caused his own injury by doing that. I didn't think the first one was a foul either, um, especially based on like what other things were called. Like it just seemed out of place. Um, but yeah, the Clark one was just laughable. I, I thought the first one was a foul. I didn't think it was a yellow. Yeah. yeah. I, that, if you just blown the whistle, so restart the play, fine. No, no problem there. But it was nowhere near egregious enough to be a yellow. No, and they had guys pulling us back later in the game doing that and worse and no yeah. yellows. So I just, especially this aspect of yellow cards, I just want them to get like something remotely consistent. Um, I thought it looked bad live. I thought it, you know, like you said, goalkeepers are overprotected. That's why I thought, oh shit, he's going to get a yellow card here and get sent off. Um, but I mean, like game management wise, refereeing, I think he, he looks at him and goes, all right, well, I kind of already gave you a cheap yellow. I can't give you a second cheap yellow and send you off in the first half. Yeah, it's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, but if, I don't know. I, I thought the ref was eh last night. He was, it was typical MLS, right? Yeah. No, no consistency whatsoever. I don't so, think he was good. I don't think he was a reason we lost the game. No, not at all. <laughs> it's absolutely not why they lost the game. Um, I mean, let's get into that, I guess. We'll jump into the second half, and uh, Adam Lundquist isn't having a great time so far. Uh, speaking of people who almost got sent off for a second yellow card. Yep. Um, so, live, I didn't see anything. Replay, I thought I can make the argument that, hey, what's he supposed to do with his hand? That ball's coming at him really fast. He doesn't know but that's probably a penalty for me. Oh, it's clear. His, yeah. his arm was so far outside of his body in natural position. Yeah. Um, I, I got, I had no problem while on the replay seeing it. Like, yep. The first one I saw is done. Okay. Just put it on the spot and let's see if we can stop it. And the Stuber damn near saved it. Like yeah. he actually yeah, got, he got a, a good hand to it. He got a hand on the ball. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I was worried that it was going to get called back on VAR. And like, as it took longer and longer for them to go to it, I was like, are we going to get away with this? Because uh, <laughs> I, I thought, because I, cause I thought like, even, because no even live, I was like, oh, they need to at least look at that. Because I think, because just like, like Brad said, like his arm is sticking straight out. Mm-hmm. Like you could not try to make your, your body bigger than he did in terms of how far he had his arm out. And it just, you know, if that's not a penalty, nothing's a penalty. Well, I implore both of you to go back and watch the second half of the arsenal Burnmouth game a couple weeks ago. Reese Nelson, 97th minute, minute winner. But this and worse happens at least three times and nothing gets called. It's <laughs> Yeah. So that was my only hope. It's like, oh, maybe you watched that game and thought it was great refereeing performance. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that the, that the VAR officials in MLS are better than the Premier League ones? I mean, they just the Premier League just hired the uh, MLS head of officiating to fix all their problems. So, Oh, God. Um, yeah. Oh, the oh, VAR God. ones might be better. The actual refs probably aren't. Um, I, but we'll see. I mean, that we'll might actually get me to watch more Premier League, to be honest with you. Oh, I mean... If we're, we're going to CONCACAF up my Premier League, then I'm in for this. No, you want the championship. <laughs> Trust me, the English championship is like MLS 
Oh, just, you know, with more fun sounding European names. It's no, no, the championship is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's like nut bar, like teams will come back from four goals down and win, you know, five to four or something and shit too. It's insane. Um, okay, so we all agree it's a penalty. Stuber, you know, good guess, gets a hand to it. Sometimes you don't save him. I don't think there's anything he can do there. No, no, I mean, it's penalties are what? We were talking about XG before the game or before the podcast today, right? And mm-hmm. penalties are 0. 0.8 on the on the XG. Like, uh, yeah, for the model we were looking at. They're expected to be made, right? It's, yep. Yeah, he got well, he got a hand on it, did all he could do. What do you just throw your hands up and say nice shot? I mean, yeah. if anything, he actually if anything, yeah, this is going to sound strange. He actually expected the Houston player to make a better better penalty than he did. Yeah. Because yeah. he actually, if you look at it, he actually overdives on it. Yeah. If he kind of stands there, he actually probably reacts better. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Now, I saw a few people floating around the idea that, hey, if you get a hand to it, you got to save it. It's like, well, that's stupid. Like, if he just dove the wrong way, you're saying that's better than what he did. <laughs> yeah, no, it's if the ball hits your top of your hand or your fingertips, and, and I'm obviously speaking from a well different uh, experience here, right? But I, I play keeper on my Monday night over 30 league. Just because the ball hits your hand doesn't mean it's automatically going to stop right there where you where it hits. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just, and these guys do that to me uh, in, in a beer league. I can only imagine what they're doing at professional level as far as how much force and velocity is coming behind the ball. Yeah, I mean, there's a penalty in the um, uh, oh, there's a penalty shootout on Thursday in the Europa League. I'm trying to remember who was in it, but really? what, anyway, one of the keepers really? like, got two hands on the penalty and it still went in. Yeah, it was, uh, which is just was, a wild thing to see. Yeah, it was Aaron Ramsdale. He guessed correctly on all five and didn't save any of them. <laughs> um, and one of them he should have, but uh, he'll be the first one to tell you that. But I mean, like. You see it all the time where it goes through a keeper's hands. And that's if they yeah. get like two strong hands, not like kind of an oh shit reach back like Stuber had. Yeah, I think the people who've never stepped in front of a ball coming at you 40, 50 miles an hour, keep your mouth shut, man. Because it's it's crazy. Um, especially half the time when at this level where they can knuckle on you as well. And these guys can do different shit with the ball. It, it's good luck. If you're able to stop one, awesome. He got a hand on it. Not going to fault him for it. It wasn't. It wasn't on Stewart. It's on Lundqvist for having his arm three feet outside of his body. Yeah, getting a touch at all in a penalty is a, a huge achievement in yeah. a professional league. Yeah. Um, so right after this, uh, I think I have this right. I might be misremembering the timeline. Lundqvist goes in pretty hard on a challenge, and maybe should be getting sent off. Um, doesn't referee says, "All right, I don't think I'm going to send you off for that." First one is kind of shitty because he got a yellow for the penalty. Um, and kind of. I don't know. Did we do anything after that penalty? It didn't seem like we created anything and we all just kind of went limp and lifeless, right? I thought there was one half chance in about the yeah. 85th minute, and that was about it. Um, you know, Danny had a shot on goal, which was seemingly the only one that we took from inside the post. Um, everything else came seemed to come from outside. Um, and I don't mean like outs- inside the box, but like if you're looking shooting in between the post, right? Um, mm-hmm. with, with more of a direct shot on goal. Um, and then there was another one where I thought, I think Rigoni cut in for the right, and we had a little bit of a chance inside the six, but that was about it. There was nothing yeah. else. Yeah, there was one like good move that you know never really ended up with a shot or fizzled out or something, but yeah. um, there was nothing that was, oh my God, we got to talk about this. <laughs> no, it was the play where Rigoni came up lame 
on his oh yeah uh, i was worried yeah. about that yeah and we ended up getting another corner off of that but he actually had a nice little move and we had to play into the box that forced them to play some defense for a change but other than that i mean we had nothing in the second half there was just absolutely no drive forward in the entire 45 minutes um then they get the second and this goal is an absolute fucking embarrassment to defending everywhere I think Houston takes something like six or seven more or less uncontested touches in our own area. Still doesn't get anything out of it. The ball kind of recycles out. Um, Guy makes just like a simple cut inside. Uh, Everybody's tired and slow. Owen doesn't track. Hector Herrera runs through the defense. Nobody steps forward to intercept the ball. Bang, taps it in. Nothing Stuber can do. Um, Easy finish. Some guys in your beer league, I'm sure, could have finished that one. Um anything to say other than it looked like we gave up oh sorry the other point i wanted to do on the penalty the guy did uh maxi's little arrow shot celebration uh yeah (laughs) i couldn't tell if that was a shot at him or if that was just like a, you know this guy's celebration or something but wasn't his first this was his first mls game if i'm not mistaken so yeah i don't think he knows about maxi's thing i think it's just his i think it's just his thing okay in the same way that you know Half of our team is apparently doing the Marcus Rashford this year. So <laughs> uh, I read something that that's from uh, Gallagher's time with uh, Anton Walks at Atlanta because Walks um, used used to use uh, Rashford celebration. Okay. So like it's it's downstream Rashford, but it's not direct Rashford. And okay, and kind of an homage to Walks. Yeah, All right, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. I just read it somewhere. It sounds good, so we're going to roll with that until I'm proven otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, any comments on the goal? I mean, other than the absolute shitty defense, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was everybody. It wasn't uh, like, Hey, you know, Oh, let's play moment. Cause you forgot to track the runner. It's no, everybody. <laughs> no, let's everybody, <laughs> let's everyone stand around in the box and do absolutely uh, nothing to try to stop this shot. Like that's our, this, this attack whatsoever. Nobody stepped up on the ball and just at that point, if you're going to let a free runner into the box while you're standing around, you deserve to get burned. Yep. And we looked tired and beat at that point before the shot ever happened. And once it did happen, we literally just didn't give a shit the rest of the night. No, it yeah, it definitely that, looked like a team that was ready for the match to be over with and didn't believe mm-hmm. that there was any kind of like comeback happening. Like there was no belief in that team. Yeah, yeah, that that very much looked like a one nothing's not that bad. Let's get out of here and go home kind of performance goal. Um, all right. Well, disappointing. Uh, let's get into, I didn't have any ideas. I was going to do double stock fallings. Um, do you guys want to do stock risings? Was I had Rigoni rising as a, off of last night? I had Rigoni as a stock neutral and that's about the best I got. Yeah, that's probably, I would agree with that. I didn't see anybody else that would be worthy of rising or even neutral. Julio Cascante maybe, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ruben Gabrielson, nobody on the pitch. Let's go with that. That's definitely, definitely not. It's definitely one of those like the backup quarterback is the favorite so player on the team. Ball. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's so like oh, all these guys who weren't playing, we were excited about like kind of a thing. So yeah, no, uh, I, nobody's rising. All right, uh, I skipped over headlines. Let's do those first. Uh, Brad, you want to lead us off? Uh, Austin falls flat. Like I, I don't think anything else besides Austin yeah. looks falls flat I, yeah they were they were flat the entire night it wasn't even exciting enough to warrant like a 
catchy headline? No, no, I don't think so. All right, Charles. Uh, I think I'd go with something like uh, "Rested Houston uh, Beats." Oh no, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to restart this. Retake. Rested Houston beats uh, uh, Austin team that doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got away from you a little bit there at the end, but well, you hey, that's what us... happened to Austin. Yeah, I mean, it's very meta. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a tough day for the returning players because I didn't think Maxi played well and Lundqvist obviously is kind of the, you know, his fault or not, the turning point in the game. Um, also a minor twist there where we thought Andrew Tarbell was going to kind of come in and play against us and then he didn't. So he's disappointed too. Oh, I was so, convinced if he came in, he was going to have a world game. Yeah, I did yeah, too. I was, I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. I was uh, so excited about that. You have no idea. Like I was literally sitting at home being like, like looking at the highlights from like, uh, or well, Red Bull's highlights last year against Tarbell of just like being like, oh, we could finally go against this. Please, please. This is what we need. I mean, you, you say that, so but many... the one the one stadium he played well in last year. <laughs> yeah, I had the two little like um, miniature characters on my shoulders. I had the like suffering from joy Devin going like, no, he's going to come in and play great. You're going to lose this game. And then I had like my trickster god on the other one going, oh, this is going to be awesome and pure carnage. Um, <laughs> and they kept fighting it out, but then he didn't come in. So we didn't didn't end up with either. I don't think it would have mattered because, you know, you have to actually shoot the ball at the keeper. To, well, yeah, in retrospect, yeah. that's what it would See, but that'd be perfect for Rigoni, though. Like, Yeah. That's how we got to get Rigoni his goal. <laughs> Smack one at Tarbell and have him throw it in his own net. All right, we solved it. We'll, I'll put it in the post to Josh tomorrow. <laughs> um, I don't even know when we play Houston next. But, oh, the other good uh, news. We play them on night. Labor. We play them Memorial Day weekend okay. in Houston again. The other good news is this doesn't count for Copa Tejas, so uh, it's an exhibition game. Why do we care? This uh, this is okay. This is something that actually legitimately annoys me. The unbalanced scheduling that MLS is having to do, and completely just and this stupid idea that um, <laughs> you have to play some teams three times and some teams two, and it completely unbalancing the schedule in a league that has playoff positioning inside of your own conference that has actually created a strength of schedule difference, which is part of why this league, we talk about it being kind of crazy and random, but like that's part of it is that they cannot even have a balanced schedule to where everybody plays the same teams. I mean, baseball's like that. So you don't, not everybody, especially now that you've gone to full interleague play, not everybody plays the same teams in the American league. If you're a national league team or vice versa. Um, so that's, you know, 15, 20 games that you might play the Yankees and the Red Sox versus playing the Oakland A's, right? Um, okay, first of all, as an A's fan, I'm offended by that, even though it's true. Secondly, <laughs> they have, like, they also play five times as many games, so at some point, like, that does even out. I mean, you think, but 20 games is one-eighth of the season. It's It's yeah. not a small number if it's not even at that point or evened out, um, or balanced out, I should say. So it doesn't bother me, I guess, as much, especially with nine playoff teams now. Like, if, if, I'm, if you can't make the damn play, if one game unbalanced or two unbalanced games makes you miss the playoffs with nine teams, you deserve to miss the playoffs. 
Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. The The amount of kind of like fuckery from the imbalance schedule is not um, yeah. proportional with like a really, really good team isn't going to make it because of it. Over 60% of this league makes the playoffs. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it's not yeah. the college football problem. No. Um, all right, let's get into the fun. Charles, stock falling number one. Um, I think the number one stock falling is is uh unfortunately I kind of think it's Leo. Okay. Uh I know it's kind of like an off the off the board choice. Um but he's well, we gotta so get six good. of them, so <laughs> well I mean he's looked so good early on that like seeing him last night just kind of I think we saw the deficiencies of the going to him from Gabrielson of in terms of leadership and, and drive and desire. And he just kind of looked like a passenger the whole match. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, Brad. It's Diego. Yeah. Um, easy choice. Easy yeah. choice is easy. Um, I, I thought, and we said it earlier that Diego has not been good all year for the most part, but last night was by far and away his mo- most lackluster match um this season and maybe in an austin uniform um the only other one i could think of that was as ineffective was probably the violet match down in the dominican republic yep totally agree charles anything you want to add on that um no i got nothing on that okay yeah i don't think we need to beat up on diego um especially since everybody had a rough match and the other one we mentioned everybody else uh also had a rough match so uh, we're going to do the snake draft style. So I'm going to do two here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Maxi Aruti. His continuing hatred of woodwork is only fair if we pick him out. If we say, hey, Ragoni and Zardes should be finishing these chances. Well, we have to apply it through Aruti too, even if he's hitting the post and it's a little more exciting. Um, and I mean, there's plenty of people, like we said, kind of at the top of the show that were clamoring for him to start. And I agree with Brad, like he's great as a super sub. But And I mean, I don't mind him starting a few games, but... Uh, based off of the evidence we've seen, I think, you know, Zardes has given us more at the moment. I don't think either of them are particularly great, but um, you got to go with what you got to, what you have in front of you. Uh, any commentary there? No, I think you're, I think you're dead right. Like it's, you can't hold. And what you just said to me is the thing that I think people are overlooking when there's Zardes complaints. You can't hold Zardes to a standard that you're not holding your Rudy to as well. If you're if you're mad at Zardes for not scoring goals and not producing, then you need to be mad at your Rudy too. And you could say, well, he scored, he scored against tired legs in the 88th minute. It was a game winner. I appreciate it. It's a great goal. Good job. But as a starter, he has been no more effective, and I would argue even less effective than Zardes. Yeah, wasn't he a sub in that game? He was a sub. He yeah, came yeah in, that's an argument for starting Zardes. <laughs> yeah. Now there was a great stat that somebody pulled on Twitter yesterday about how um, somebody was making a point about you know, Zarda's not being involved and Maxi being more involved and they were looking at the touches and how like Arruda basically like didn't touch the ball. No. And how he is completely absent in build up play or trying to link anything up. And Zarda's like, you know, you can say what you want to about him, but like he does that. He makes himself available as an option. He makes himself an outlet. And, you know, for a team that couldn't get link up play between Danny and the attack, we needed that last night. Yeah, I'm getting very big uh, U.S. national team fans complaining about Tim Ream, and then we look at everybody else playing center back, and then you go, actually, Tim Ream's not that bad um, <laughs> about the whole Zardes thing. 
Um, I guess my other one, I'm going to take a little bit of a flyer here, and it's not a knock necessarily, but I'm going to go with Gallagher. Um, I thought he was of the better players, not necessarily in that kind of like bottom rung or anything, but he was basically our force of nature. I'm going to grab this game by the scruff of the neck and win it for us player for the first couple weeks of the season. And uh, obviously he didn't do that last night. So it's less of a, I thought you had a terrible game, which, you know, he wasn't great. Nobody was great. Um, He did still run down a few guys, which I think if we have to play games without him, we're really going to miss and we're going to notice it very quickly. Um, but he wasn't quite to the exact super high heights that um, he had been. Um, any comments there? No, I, I don't disagree. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great last night. Yeah. But yeah. I think we're expecting too much from him. Yeah. And I but, think that's but, all I'm saying is, you know, and, this and was. Not, <laughs> and I mean he's that not, not going to do that every game. Yeah. And I mean that not just as fans, but I think like the team is putting too much on him to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of mentioned it too. He, we're basically playing him somewhat as a winger and, you know, we, we don't want to play him as a winger, but we'll put him at right back and have him play winger. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Brad, you want to give us number two? Uh, we talked about it a little bit and it, it was the, the sub or not the sub, but the start that was questionable, but Johan Valencia, whose stock wasn't very high in the first place is starting to get into the pink sheet penny stocks. Um, he was, not great last night. He he made a couple of nice defensive recoveries, but when he has the ball at his feet, he looks scared. Yeah, and and the, I said it earlier, but his the teammates look scared to pass him the ball because he doesn't have any idea of where it needs to go or how to get the ball to an outlet. Um, I, I think his stock just continues to plummet, and not going to be shocked if he's out of the starting eleven next week, even with Owen on international duty. I'm not sure he's even breaking up play that much anymore. Cause when he came in, he was, you know, kind of dynamic right in front of the defense midfielder yeah. and knocking people around. And I feel like he's just regressed even doing that. Yeah, no, he had a play last year. I think it was in the second match where I about fell in love with a guy. Cause he basically bodied someone uh, in the uh, defensive third, took the ball and then passed it up forward. And we started to move. I was like, this guy's amazing. And ever since then, he's just, like you said, he's regressed. He has not gotten better. All right, Charles, anything else there? Or uh, if you want to jump on your last stock falling too, we can do that. Yeah, I'd rather go to the last stock falling, which I think is kind of in the same vein in terms of going down to the penny stocks. But Adam Wonkfist is just, that was a lot of game for some guy who does not look like he's an MLS player. No, even when he wasn't like having massive fuck ups, I was just like, what does this guy offer? He's yeah, not that I, quick. He's like, he'll turn inside and kind of like pass maybe laterally or he'll hit that base and midfield guy from, you know, almost to the opposing box. I don't get it. Yeah, like, it, and especially because he doesn't seem to be a better defensive option than Kolmanich, which in theory would be kind of how you'd want to mix and match them. Because as we saw last night, he's he's kind of a defensive, he's a defensive liability and he's not better offensively than Coleman edge so what's the point of having him on the roster then? yeah besides just like a guy and then but then like why are you giving up gam to somebody to do that when you could just probably like i mean are we sure he's that much better than like charlie asensio no i'm not no i mean well it might be they want to give asensio game time is the only argument i can do there but um i guess if we're gonna start playing long in games we could have stuck asensio in there 
or or gone to like Jimenez or put um Gallagher yeah. back on the left and put Lima on the right or I don't know I just doesn't I just don't see why he's on the roster at this point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this team is better with Gallagher on the left and Lima on the right. Yeah, I, yeah. This team is fundamentally a better soccer team when they're doing that. I've noticed too, um, as the season's gone on, we're getting less of the like Zan steps up and hits in an early curling cross. He's just sort of out there as a left back right now. Um, we're not getting him the ball. And I don't know if it's design or if it's just kind of the way the game's flowing, but I think that might be part of the Diego thing too. And, and I think that is to, to some extent because what we notice when we kind of unbalance the formation that way to go to the three-man back line is that the winger on the other side of where the fullback's coming up, like if Gallagher's coming up on the right, the other winger tends to drop back, which is Diego, to provide balance. So then you're trading attacking abilities between Gallagher and Diego, and that doesn't that doesn't make sense in a in a macro level. Uh, I understand wanting to do it with Kolpinich more with somebody who has such a good cross and somebody who's able to like affect the thing with passing, which is a thing we have seen many times when Austin's really in attacking mode of trying to get a goal or the game's tied. But it just doesn't, it, it just seems to be a misuse of the players on the field and what they're good at. So you're saying we should fire Wolf? <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I, I, I would like to give a PowerPoint presentation to Wolf about why we need to play last year's <laughs> tactics. And if he's just kind of like, Man, And it's just no. a review of the first half of the year. <laughs> yeah, like I, just, like I would just be like, hey, how about we watch this match where we completely trounced a playoff team in Cincinnati? And let's watch this season's team lose to Houston and be like, why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing this? Why is Diego in these areas and not these areas? And I'm sure that Josh could come up with some kind of like reasonable explanation that would make sense in some way. But like, all you have to do is look at the results and be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah and i mean we can also do it with it doesn't have to be like goals it can just be like advanced stats pass percentage xg like i i don't want to look at them side by side because i'm gonna get depressed but i'm sure they're way better last year every single item on that sheet yeah and, and that's the thing is that like uh i mean we got off to such a hard hot start that it made everything look look better but also like it just does look better like even the games that like we were losing last year, besides like like the away to Galaxy match, like the team at least looked looked like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and even in the wins this year, they haven't looked like they know what they're doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, I guess let's jump into our biggest moments of suffering. Uh, Brad, you want to go first? I thought about this one first thing this morning. I thought about it in the middle of the game last night because I had like five of them. But <laughs> there was a moment in the second half where Sebastian Jerusi has the ball and does a back heel flip to no one. Um, that ends up right to a Houston player, and it was in our own half, and so they immediately turn into attack. That's our best player, y'all, and I'm just sitting here screaming at the TV, where is your spatial awareness right now? Or where is the person that's supposed to be helping you? That to me was the biggest, we don't have a clue of how to play together moment of the entire game last night. Yeah. And I think you see stuff like that when he starts to get frustrated too. It's just, well, I'm going to try to create something out of nothing. It's like, all right, well, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Charles. Um, I think mine was watching Maxi hit the post again. Because I I'm starting to believe, or I'm start I'm starting to feel like every time I watch him, 
strike the ball at the goal, it's going to hit the post. Like, that is almost my expectation because I've seen it happen so many times. And since we don't have anybody else who's going to, like, come in and, like, score that off the rebound, it's just another wasted opportunity. Uh, you know what? I actually think I figured this out. So every time somebody gifts a goal to St. Louis City, Maxi hits a bar or a post. Because <laughs> oh, no. I think they're at 4-4 four to four now. Um, and all, yeah, no, I think that's it. So we've, we've got some weird city voodoo thing going on from the opening game of the year. Did they get another one gifted to them last night? I haven't seen it, but I heard somebody say that. Oh my gosh. Um, and I didn't think the one last week was like a quote unquote gift. Like it was a, it was a tough ball and the guy smacked it into his own net. It's not like a Tarbell own goal. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think St. Louis is seriously challenging San Jose for, um, chaos merchants of MLS. Uh, and I'm in favor last night and I'm in favor of this because I think we need more teams just like absolutely MLS after dark playing chaos because that's entertaining. and fun. Yes. But the problem is, is that St. Louis also has a guy who could finish in Klaus. Yeah. Uh, might be newcomer of the year in this league right now. I mean, isn't, <sighs> I'm not sure how it is after last night, but isn't he up top at the, or tied for, yeah, he's tied for second in golden boot behind, Almeida, who probably won't last the season in Atlanta, yeah. but it's probably, you know, he's up there with, you know, Caleb Wiley, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, like those guys in terms of scoring. And it seems like he's going to keep on that run because they keep creating chances. Yeah. What I mean, isn't that sort of like weird ass poacher guy, what we wanted Zardes to do? Yes. More or less like just show up and smack shit in in the box. Like we'll get you the ball like near you, like just poke it in. Yeah. But if you watch last night's goal for Klaus, uh, he went on about a 30 yard run. And then smacked it in. <laughs> I mean, the one he scored against us was a halfway decent run. Yeah, it was. And, and the thing is, that, like, yeah, like we, I, I think we as Austin fans view that from the POV of like watching Kippy just like completely screw up. Yeah. But it's also a, a good play for him to one make that run, not be caught offside, get the ball, see that he has a defender going the wrong way, and cut back. Like that is a very that that is a very good play on his part to do that. Um. And in, in a lot of ways, like, you know, going back to the comparison between City and, uh, I'm sorry, City and uh, San Jose in terms of chaos merchants, like, uh, you know, San Jose just has, like, a Bobasi up front who doesn't really offer that much. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Despite so, how some of the announcers in the San Jose-Colorado match, which I watched because I'm a D-Gen, um, were trying to link him to the men's national team. Like, the U.S. men's national team was, like, starting up front. I just sat there, and I was like, what are you watching, guys? <laughs> so, just for the record, Klaus's goal last night was starting outside the box. Ball bounces off of a Saint, uh, San Jose defender. He takes it back between three defenders, taking the ball away from him, and then shoots it on target for the goal. Uh, yeah. He Are just, you watching he, that right now? I can hear it in the background. Yeah, I just watched the highlight. <laughs> I just watched the highlight again just to make sure I saw it right. Um, I'm going to have to was, watch that when we jump off of here. I mean, he's so big that he just kind of bodies people in the box. Yeah, he's like, huge. He's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so many good choices here. Um, I think I'm going to stick with my earlier suffering on my shoulder about Andrew Tarbell coming in and winning this game for Houston. I know in retrospect, it didn't play out that way, but if that had actually happened, my spidey sense of something terrible, um, which I should have known after uh, university of Missouri lost to a, a 15 seed again, <laughs> their second most embarrassing 15 seed loss in their history. Um, right before that game started, 
So uh, I'm going to stick with that. Um, I do think we should jump into real quick and discuss. We kind of talked about central midfield and center back having to be something we're going to have to replace next week um, against Colorado. How do we see that shaken out? I know we want to see um, probably Jafal and I don't know who he stick at center back or Yuli bring there. I mean, ring's got to be there, but you still have to have somebody with him. Yeah. Um, I think it's Kip. Uh, yes, Kip had the mistake in game one, but Kip is shown more to me in a year and a half, two years than if I never see Amro Tariq play another second for this Good team, Lord. I'm fine with that. Um, there are bad days, and then there are bad days. Yeah, Colorado's not a very good offensive team. This is a game that I think Kip could get some confidence back and flowing. Um, I'd like to see Jafal play in for Wolf's spot and keep Valencia on the bench um, and then put Zardis back up top. And otherwise, you've and then there's the argument, which we've been talking about tonight, of do you put Gallagher on the left and Lima on the right? Um, but to me, the biggest mis- the biggest changes are going to be Kip in for Leo since Leo's out and put Jafal in for Wolf and then put Zardis back up top. Those are right up your spine. I think if you do that, you're probably in for a decent night next week. Charles? <sighs> Yeah, I'm doing that too in my head. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I actually agree with what Brad with what Brad's saying. I think that um, you know, at some point Kip has to play again. Like he's we're playing too many matches, we have too many injuries, we have too many people unavailable for him not to play. I think getting him out there against Colorado and getting him playing at home, I think is also a better idea because we can, you know, hopefully build him up a little bit. Um I wanna see Wolf go back to what he knows works. And I want him to go back to I, what, what Brad said of putting Gallagher on the left, Lima on the right, and trying to do as much as he can to to provide some normalcy of what we have seen work before. Uh, when, because you have to – when we have so many people out, when you're, you know, you're without your, your starting center back pairing, when you're without a starting midfielder, you have to try and put in as much consistency and as much stability as you can in your lineup around that especially in the middle of the park when you're, when you're missing guys. So I'd like to see, I'd like to see Jafal out there and I'd like to see Kippy with, with ring just to see what that looks like, because I think that rings leadership and his ability to organize might be what Kip needs to where he's not having to think through everything, the whole match. Okay. Um, My first thought was actually to stick Lima in at center back. Um, Oh God, no. (laughs) I this mean, is an a, this is an audio medium, so so I couldn't use. So it's fortunate you couldn't see the disgust look on my face when you yeah. suggested that. Just like no, no. I mean, there's there's no options. So I mean, I would be fine with Kippy at this point. Kip looked fine at Violet, and and I think it's one thing to point out at that game, um, when he came in for Tarek for the last what thirty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Violet's fans were all over his ass every time he touched the ball. And Kip looked fine. He was pushing the ball forward. He was in the right spots defensively. Like, there's no reason he can't play this week. Okay. Um, I'm totally fine with that. I don't think Josh listens to this show, but we'll go ahead and and let him know as well. Um, we should tweet at Josh Wolf's burner account on Twitter to make sure. <laughs> that well, uh, so somebody – I saw somebody – I got I got word from somebody trustworthy that apparently Wolf reads everything that is said. 
So he's got a burner somewhere. Yeah. All right. I mean, everything is kind of relative, though. Yeah, more from, like, the Twitter slash other spaces. Um, because I know for sure in the LV Slack there are some front office spies, and I think he might get shown some things in there as well. Okay. Well, Charles, you guys put out a, a tweet about his fucking wardrobe, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I'm not saying that, like, it's I the end-all be-all. <laughs> but, like... Just to just so I can get, bring up the exact stats because this is something that we're tracking, um, and this is the kind of coverage that you can only get from us. Let's be honest here: is that um, he consistently keeps going with the black shirt this season. He's worn the black shirt more this season than he has the entire first two seasons combined, and it's not good. They've only won twenty five percent of their matches when he wears it, and in the first season, or I'm sorry, in twenty twenty one, I know that this was perceived as kind of silly by a lot of people those people were wrong first of all because he (laughs) wouldn't wear he wouldn't wear verde on the bench and eventually we bullied him enough to include uh kind of like an off like seafoam color which we kind of counted and so in in the first season they won despite how bad the team was in the first season they won 66 percent of the matches when he wore verde or seafoam just immediately off the bat, like, this works. All time, <laughs> their, Austin's record is 16, 11, and 4 when he's in, like, the full Verde, and 7, 2, and 2 when he's in Seafoam. Like, the bullying was right. We were right to do this, to bully him into wearing these colors during matches, because the stats are irrefutable that they are lucky. So basically, it just gets back to Josh Wolf tinkering with something that wasn't broken by the formation and the clothing. Yes. I was thinking that the entire time. Yep. Exactly. He is he has fucked up the vibes and the tactics, and you can't have a coach fucking up both of them. Don't fuck with the ecosystem, Josh. Jesus. <sighs> All right. Well, that's as good a place as any to leave it. Um please uh make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh I'll put socials for everyone in the uh episode description. Um anything else you guys want to say before we get out of here? Only thing is I just go back to reminding everybody it's a long season. Yes, it feels like we played a lot more because we had CCL and we had we burned out in that in two games, but we still got 30 games to go of MLS. We still got an entire U.S. Open Cup to play, and we still have a League Cup to play. There's a lot of damn soccer to be played this year. So if we can right the ship pretty quickly, we still got nine months to go. Yeah, and as a similar uh, corollary, things can always get worse, so save your outrage. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's... Yeah, I, I also want to add that, like, I think Austin peaked early last year, yep. and I think that, and I, and considering how long the season is, and how long playoffs are, and how many teams are in the playoffs, I'd much rather peak at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I look at I look at LAFC, right? They were a they were not playing great uh, when they came to Austin, and we smacked the shit out of them in August. Two months later, nobody could touch them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did also kind of figure out how to use Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini, who are two of the best players the past twenty years. Well, you know, sure, but they that, used that Bale. Help. They used Bale off the bench. That was yeah, the they key. figured out how to use him. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll be back with uh, more outrage next week. And uh, as always, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. here for Austin Jared Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. The 
It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.